Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles, open them to the book of Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Unwrapping Your Christmas Gift of Rest. Unwrapping Your Christmas Gift of Rest. And of course, you know by now the holidays are upon us. And whenever I think of the holidays upon us, I think of the need for rest and how important it is for us to enter in to the rest that God has for us. It's so needed, not just outwardly. We think, you know, maybe we need to take a nap or sleep a little more. I'm not speaking outwardly, but rather I'm speaking inwardly, spiritually. And I think of rest along the lines of peace and trust. Or or putting it this way, I wrote down, a settled mind trusting in a sovereign God. A settled mind. A mind that's firmly fixed by faith, trusting in the sovereignty and the sovereign purposes of our God. What's on your mind today? What did you bring in? What's on your mind today? What did you bring into this room? What burden have you been carrying? What is it that's been troubling you? I think of Jesus in John chapter 13, recognizing and sensing that in his disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. What's been troubling you? What's been overwhelming and disrupting your peace? What have you been carrying around that you were never intended to carry around? Jesus describing the enemy of our souls in John 10.10 said this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Or in the New Living Translation, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The will of God for you today. And so we make a conscious choice this holiday season. We choose to live intentionally, focused upon enjoying and resting and bringing rest to those that we meet. How important it is that we don't bring our burdens into other people's lives. That we don't, be, we don't become known by our burden sharing, but rather as we become known as the ones that bring peace and rest into a situation. I was thinking this Christmas season about the birth of Jesus and that Jesus was born to give you rest. He was born for that. His purpose in life was a, to give you a rest that only he can give. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've seen a lot of lives ruined looking for rest. Alcohol companies promise it. Drugs claim to give it. And I think about all the activity that is happening in lives where, you know, the party scene, uh, the newest, people are just running from one thing to another, the newest YouTube craze, the newest app, the newest influencer, the, the, some new technology. We're just running like pinballs all over, going here, going there, trying to find that which will bring us satisfaction. 
And it's to an edgy and restless world that these words of Jesus come loudly and crystal clear. Notice with me in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, reading from the New King James here, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to it in the New Living Translation. There's a couple things I think it adds as you memorize something so often. Like for example, when we use the word heavy laden, we really don't use that word in our normal English. So I looked it up. I wanted to, to get the depth of what is that really trying to convey in the English. Listen to it in the New Living. I think they did a great job. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all, you, all of you who are weary, and then heavy laden is translated, and carry heavy burdens. So that's really what it means. Come to me, those of you that have been carrying heavy burdens and are tired. It's a tiring way to live your life. And he says, I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. And I love this phrase. So, so look back, because I want you to write in your Bibles if you like to do that. It says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The New Living Translation says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Would you pause for a second and just think about that for a minute? Jesus is here today saying, let me teach you. You that are weary and tired and overwhelmed with burdens. I know we come together and we, we have Bible studies regularly. We're a church committed to the word. We're going to teach the Bible. I mean, we have uh, three Bible studies on the weekend. We have one on Wednesday, just that. That's 208 or so Bible studies just, just from the pulpit here. And we may get confused to think we're just here for learning and knowledge and Bible knowledge. But if a pastor's doing what he's supposed to do, the Spirit of God will use him so that you'll learn from Jesus, not from a man. You're not becoming a disciple of me or this church or this movement or what. You're becoming a disciple of Jesus. And he says, if you're tired and you're weary and you're burdensome and you're carrying burdens, he says, let me teach you. A lot of times in my devotional life as it gets stale, you know, we're coming up on the beginning of the year. So everybody's going to reboot their devos and going to read through the Bible. It's going to be exciting until you hit the wall. Everybody hits the wall at some point. We're like, oh, I don't know. Usually it's Leviticus. And you're like, oh, I don't know about this. And you put it on pause and some of you never pick it up again. But now that you get to do it, like whenever I hit a wall in my devos, I always like to go back to the gospels. I'll just stop what I'm doing, go back to one of the gospels. And in my mind, I'm going to walk along the road with Jesus. I just finished Mark recently. I'm just going to go back to basics and I want to let Jesus teach me in a new, fresh way personally. And that's his invitation. He says, let me teach you. It's like a parent to their child. Let me teach you. Like I know you think you've got it all together and I know you think you're gonna know. I know you, no, let me teach you. Let, let me help you, he says. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find the rest you've been looking for. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Hey, when you think of the manger scene, we're immediately drawn, our attention is drawn to this precious baby. Unassuming, adorable, 
That baby is the key to man's restlessness. And babies certainly have a way of changing everything, don't they? They have a way of bringing a whole newness to life, precious and wonderful. But today we fast forward 30 plus years in the life of that baby because that baby grew up. And that baby was born like you were born with a purpose to fulfill, with a specific plan and path of life. And here we find Jesus in Matthew 11 in his 30s serving around the Sea of Galilee. He's just pronounced judgment on a few of the cities around the Sea of Galilee because of their resistance and their rebellion. He has brought about this strong word, because you don't want me, because you don't desire me, the consequences of that will be in your life. You'll experience the pain of rejecting me. And then he goes on to say openly, beginning in verse 25, an open prayer. And he begins to pray out loud until he comes to the invitation that we just read. It's a beautiful invitation. It's an invitation to come to him directly. And it's an invitation to a group of people that are wearied and burdened, wrestling with life's circumstances. And he says, come to me. It's very important that you see that the solution to the restlessness in your life is to come into relationship, unity, oneness with Jesus. He calls out to those that are burned out, to those that are bummed out, to those that are weary, to exhaustion, to those that are emotionally drained, to those that are tired of the drama, for those that are tired of the difficulty, tired of the pressure, tired of the difficulties of life. It is a life-giving invitation. When you think in a general sense, because we all came in here with our own personal lives and our own personal difficulties and our own personal minds and emotions, but if we draw the curtain back just a little bit and say, wait a minute, what is the general burden that we all share? What is the commonality in our lives? If this was a general invitation to the people listening in the first century, what is the general information to the people, or the general invitation to the people in the 21st century? And I would say that we all share a common burden, and that burden is life. The burden of living in a sin-soaked world. The burden of the sin consequences that we deserve of our own bad decisions and the burden of living life at the consequences of someone else's sin. And it's life. Life in and of itself is burdensome. Now, I just set you guys up for an amen and I didn't get it at all. Every single service missed that. I've got it in capitals here, it's ready. Maybe I didn't deliver it right, so maybe I'll, okay. Life in itself is burdensome. Good, 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 good. I have no more just in case. (laughs) So many are bearing the load of living life. Life can be hard. Life is hard. And when you mix in the difficulty and burden of life with this sense of getting out from under the burden, then you add another layer of complexity and that is the burden of pleasing ourselves. That's a heavy burden to carry. To live life pleasing yourself. To live life seeking out a sense of satisfaction 
and as what Jesus promises, rest and peace. How, how many times have you found yourself saying, you know, I just, I just want this to end, desiring peace. I, I just wish this would come to a close, desiring peace. I wish they would stop. Those are all, that's all the language of seeking rest and satisfaction. And so many are bearing the load of trying to please themselves. I think of the world in which we live that chases after things that never really suffice. They never really satisfy. Riches, pleasure, popularity, happiness. Many of you are trained today looking at your phone to see how many people like what you posted. How many people engaged with you? How many people agreed with you? It's conditioned to seek after that which they, they even do studies. Like if you have a level of, ha- of likes that you have, it clicks something in your brain and makes you feel good. And as we find ourselves searching after these things, everyone has a burden. Wanting to be happy. Wanting to find satisfaction. Everyone has a burden. Pains and sorrows grief and strife. And as a result, there is unrest in every heart. You know, if I only had more, I would be happy. More time. How many of you wish? I wish I had more time. You know, you may not say that, but you will say this. There's only so many hours in a day. I know. We all have the same amount of hours. (laughs) But what you're expressing is, I need more time. If I had more time, if I had more time, If I got more attention, if people liked me, people paid attention, if people saw me, if people acknowledged me, if I only had more attention, if I had more entertainment, if I had more friends, how about this one? If I had more money, pastor, I'd be satisfied. Okay, okay, you had more money. How much money will it take for you to be happy and satisfied? Just how much money will it take? Well, pastor, let's uh, start at a million dollars. All right, so a million dollars, you'd be satisfied. Do you know there are people that have a hundred million dollars and are still not satisfied? And you say, wait a minute, Ed, at least let me try. (laughs) There are people with a billion dollars. And even if you had a million dollars, then you'd be concerned about your million dollars. How do I invest it? What do I do with it? How's the stock market going? I wonder what happened. Am I being ripped off? Is it May? And all these things where doesn't bring satisfaction. Let's bring it down to a lower level, a real need that many of us face. And that is, well, Ed, I just need enough money to make it through the end of the month. If I just had today enough money to make it into the month, I would be satisfied. Which only brings you to the understanding that there's another end of the month coming and another one coming and another one coming. It's always something new. If I only had more than I would, It is to you, the invitation says, come unto me, Jesus says. Come unto me, those you are weary and heavy laden. How about this? How much pleasure would it take to make you satisfied? I mean, how much pleasure do you need? How much entertainment would it take to bring you? You know, the problem with pleasure and entertainment is it doesn't last very long. It it brings happiness and joy maybe, you know, like for a sitcom. You're watching a a half-hour sitcom, 20 minutes of the show, 10 minutes of ads, and then it ends. And if you want it again, you got to watch it again. And if you want it again, you got to watch it again. How much entertainment? How quickly the thrill is gone. Even as our theme this year for the Christmas time is the thrill of hope. But the world's thrills, they don't last very long. 
I was, you know, part of our family growing up is we really appreciated uh, going to Disneyland, Disney World. We spent some time there. I personally like going because if for a, just a little bit amount of time, I can pretend like I have absolutely no responsibilities whatsoever. Do you guys ever feel that way? I may not be Disney, but don't you just want, like I don't have to have any, at least in my mind for a little bit. But Disney's so funny, man. It's predictable. In the morning, the kids are going in, yeah, mama, yes, 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 Bob, you're the best. On the way out, ah, they got suckers in their head and they're kicking their, like it's, it's the happiest place on earth and then it's not. And you know, Walt Disney has been, he's been lifted up. This man, he's been lifted up as as a guy to bring happiness. And he just wanted to bless his two little daughters. And he wanted to bless the world with happiness. Might I suggest to you an alternative truth? And that is Walt Disney was a shrewd businessman. A shrewd businessman. You go, Ed, what do you mean? I was reading an article recently. You know, he had a lot of ideas that didn't actually come to pass. One of them was to build this retreat up in the mountains where people could come up, get away, have time in the mountains, and, uh, and, and enjoy themselves. It actually didn't come to pass, but as they were talking about it, they were, asking, they, they were talking about it in the business meeting, and they were saying, well, what's going to happen in the evening? Because we've got these things going on in the day. We've got to create something in the evening because it, he wanted to keep them from leaving the property and going to a nearby town and spending their money. And let me give you a quote from Walt Disney. In this meeting, he said this, and I quote, we need to create something so people will stay with their wallets. Because when it comes to pleasure... There are always those that want pleasure and there are always those that are willing to sell it and to get that extra dollar. You know, when you go to Disneyland, Mickey Mouse is a pickpocket, man. He just takes your money, takes your money, takes your money. You walk in with money and you walk out, what happened? And Mickey's running with his money, throwing it around. (laughs) Richest mouse on the planet Earth. But you know as well as I do, even... If a vacation gives you a time of fun and recreation, it doesn't last. And it's to you, the person that lives from vacation to vacation, that Jesus says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. It's a difficult world and it's a burden that we all share. It always takes more and more and more and that in and of itself adds to the burdens of life. And it becomes more challenging. Notice what he says back in the text. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now it's very possible that Jesus grew up to be a carpenter. He was the son of a carpenter and culturally sons would grow up to be like their dads and be trained as an apprentice with their dads. Now, don't think of a carpenter like we might today in the sense that he was a house builder and that he was putting up A-frame houses and such. Uh, He wasn't a house builder because houses then were built with stone. So a carpenter would make things out of wood. And two two primary ways they would make a living, they would make things for inside the home, chairs, desks, those types of things. And they would also make things for the farm, which is where we get the term yoke. A yoke was a wooden cross piece with two holes in it. Basically, if you think of a, <clears throat> of a large piece of wood with two holes in it where you would take two oxen 
and yoke them together, bring them together. Think of oxen going through, a, um, plowing a field, not, without, not with machinery, but with rudimentary, rudimentary things, they would be carrying the plow behind them, and there'd be a guy driving them, and you know two oxen are better than one. So they would put two together of the same strength, the same size, and here's the thing. The yokes being made were not just generic. They were custom-built for the particular animal that they would be on. They would be carefully crafted, which, you know, those of you familiar with the Bible, you know that there's a warning in the Bible not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And the picture of that would be that when you partner with someone, when you join up with someone, that you generally agree and will go in the same direction. That the yoke that God has designed for you would fit for both of you. That it's impossible to move forward as a believer and an unbeliever. It's difficult and hard and it's not God's will. And those of you that are single right now making very important decisions to be equally yoked. Now, Every yoke shaped for the ox being custom made was intended to help the animal do the work and be comfortable at the same time. The carpenter took great time and attention to make this apparatus. It was to minimize the strain and the pain of the animal's life. And so Jesus is saying to us, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy. The yoke you may have been using yourself has been hard. It's been burdensome. It's been challenging. It's been chafing. It's been painful. You've chosen your way for so long. And where has it left you? More restless, more edgy, more tired. And Jesus says, no, I have a work for you. Take my yoke. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your existence. Take my yoke and let me teach you. Let me train you. Let me show you a better way. This is amazing. The invitation isn't just to come. As important as that is, it's threefold. Number one, it's to come. Then it's to take or yoke or submit your control. An animal and the yoke, yoked together with it, are submitted to one another to move forward. It's an act of submission and surrender. It's an act of saying, I, 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 I am so desperate for this rest that I'm trusting you, God. I want to live for you. And then thirdly, is to learn and to submit yourself and to admit in the gentle, lowly Savior has something that you need to learn, <clears throat> that you need to take in and change your life. And the promise, of course, is that this is the place you'll find rest. Yoke together with Christ. That's where you find rest. Nowhere else. Surrender to him. You'll find it. It will be found. God will give you that gentle, lowly rest in an upside-down world, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a challenge. God will give you the rest you're looking for. It's true, you know. We are living in a restless age. Have you noticed? Just on, everybody seems to be on edge it used to be we could make these little jokes around Christmas time, people stealing my parking space. Everybody's trying to steal my parking space these days. It's like, you can have it. Let me just tell everybody, you want my parking space? Take it. It's not that big a deal to me. What's a big deal to you? You know, you're driving down I-25, people are cutting. Here, take my lane. It doesn't matter. Why are you so restless? Why are you so upset? How about this? Why are you so angry all the time? Why are you so stirred up? 
Why are you so agitated? And this is a word from God to you. Believer, why aren't you resting in the Lord? Why has the world so troubled you and so overwhelmed you? I mean, you're looking at it. You can, it's so bad now that you can taste the tension. It's palpable. You could cut through it like a knife. People are angry and frustrated and filled with tension. You can literally feel it. I mean, it's not just politically. I'm watching churches and believers devour one another, nitpick at each other, uh, hyper-judge one another, making big deals about things that are secondary at best. And believer fighting against believer, and oh, that's not true. That, and, and hey, you know, we, we, we want to cling to sound doctrine, but I think one of the surprises of heaven is how much we have all had to learn when we get into the presence of the Lord. And you're all going to be there like, oh, that's what that means. And instead, we spend all this time destroying one another. It's like social media is kind of ingrained a deeper sense. It's always been with us, but it's a deeper sense. Like social media is the invitation of the world to tell us your opinion. We don't want to know your opinion. Oh, and it's now it's silent. You don't want my opinion? No, I don't want your opinion. If you're just going to be critical all the time, go be critical somewhere else. Believer, they shall know that you love me, Jesus said, by your criticism of one another. Is that what he said? Are you guys with me or are you mad right now? (laughs) Stay with me. I'm serious here. As a church going forward, we must be filled with the agape love of Jesus. There's just no, there's just no room for this hypercritical, you know, the biting and devouring one another. Do you know the Bible actually warns against that? In the first century, they were biting and devouring one another. But love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't approve of sin. It doesn't okay sin. The Bible says what it says. But believers, we could do a lot more to yoke with Jesus. And you think of some of the situations Jesus faced and how he faced them with love, grace, mercy, and truth. Never abandoned. He was the embodiment of truth. But people left his presence knowing the truth and wanting it. Instead of, sometimes with believers, you know, there are churches fighting against churches and all this competition, all this stuff. We have no time for this. There is a lost and dying world. And we need to yoke together in the love of Jesus. Maybe what's wrestling, what's adding to your burdens is that you've taken a position of criticism and murmuring and complaining in someone's life. Or you're just known like as a murmurer and a complainer. That's a burden. That's a burden. Jesus invites you to his rest. We have enough of that. We have enough of that in our culture today. People are literally living on the edge, politically, religiously, personally, and yet Jesus is saying you can have a rest for your soul. You can have a real peace of mind. My yoke is easy. It's custom made for you. My my burden is light. It's not like chasing after the wind. Jesus said in John chapter 4 that his nourishment, verse 34, his nourishment comes from doing the will of God. That's where he gets fed. He gets fed by doing the will of God. Or how about this? John chapter 8, verse 29, he says, Jesus says, and the one who sent me is with me. He hasn't deserted me. Check this out. He says, Jesus does, for I always do that which pleases him. His life was lived to please the Father. The burden of Jesus, his master passion in life, 
what he lived, the supreme thing that kept him going, the thing that got him up in the morning that led him through the day was to please the Father. And if you choose anything else in your life, if you choose anything else as your master passion, as the way you choose to live your life, the supreme thing that keeps you going, the thing that gets you up in the morning, if it's anything other than pleasing the Father, you will continue to experience a restlessness that you simply can't shake. Because we are just passing through. This world is temporary, preparing us for eternity and for the goodness of being in his presence forever. If you, please to, if you live to please God, you'll find that it's a light, easy way of life. <laughs> Jesus says, my burden is light, which is another way of saying this. It's easier to please God than it is to please yourself. We often say it's easier to please God than man, and that's true. But it's easier to please God than it is even to please yourself. Because it's in him is the fullness of purpose and, exp and expression and the explanation for your life and for mine. <clears throat> but no, pastor, you don't understand. You just don't get it. It's such a burden now as a believer. My life was less burdensome before I got saved, before I started going. Now, as, now I'm a Christian and it's just so burdensome and so hard. It was so much easier before I was a Christian because now I have to follow God. And now I have to read my Bible. And now I have to give my money to the church. I never had to give money to anybody before. And now I have to pray. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. I, I feel like a fool because I don't know what words to say. And I don't want to say it out loud. I don't want to say it. Now I've got all these things and it's so heavy. Listen, God did not lay those burdens on you. They're not burdensome. Those are not burdens from God. God hasn't placed some heavy burden on you. He, he hasn't made life harder for you. He hasn't replaced a life apart from him with now a life, a life filled with lists to follow and burdens to carry. It's just the opposite. We often take burdens on ourselves and write into God's desire what we think. Like, for example, if you were in school and you wanted to be a straight-A student and you wanted perfect attendance and that's just your personality, that carries over. And you may never voice it, but you're like, well, 2020, perfect attendance in church. And, you know, you make it a few weeks, you make it a few months, and then you get sick or you trip or you got something happy, you got to do a shift at work, and you're like, oh, what a burden. Now i got to do it next year. Now i got to do it next year. When all the while... You've been worshiping God here, there, everywhere. You've been enjoying him. You've been enjoying his presence. He loves you and you love him. We've made things so complicated, so difficult. We make demands on ourselves that God doesn't make. And he wants to remove that from you today. And it could be a heavy burden. Burdens we can carry along could be put on us by others. Do you know, I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of people that would love to give you their burden and just drop it off and walk away. You know, as a pastor, that happens to me a lot. And I'm not just speaking about people that want prayer and I'm not mean that at all, but there are those that think I'm the final solution for their life. You know, Pastor Ed, if I don't talk to you, I'll never get any help. If I don't hear from you, I'll never get, I'll never get through this. It's all, but, but all you're doing is shifting the responsibility of your life on me and I'm not God. 
And if I'm walking in the Spirit and you come to me and you try to do that, I'm going to do what I think I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to take you to the great burden reliever, Jesus Christ. He's the one that can help you. He's the one that can strengthen you. But you know, people will, family, it happens a lot in family. What we call drama is just burden shifting. They want to put this on you and they want to put this on you, but you have to be so careful because there is a sense now, biblically, Galatians chapter 6, where a weight or a burden is a lot lighter when two people carry it, right? Bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. But at the end, in a couple verses later in Galatians 6, it also says, but we all must bear our own load. So we have our own life and our own. So yes, we come alongside to help one another. I'm so grateful for the, 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 the ability for us to help one another in the Lord. But at the same time, your pain and your difficulty, my pain and my difficulty is mine. I need to learn to cast it upon the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Casting all your cares upon the Lord. I learned this in a very real way, personally. You know, the Bible is a real book. It is a real life-giving book. God's heart for you to live a life that pleases him. Don't, don't approach it like a rule book, but a, 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 approach it like a, like a, a help, a, a strength, a wisdom book, wisdom from God, a revelation of God. You know, a few years ago when, when uh, Marie and I faced, my family faced the greatest crisis in our lives, it was a very difficult time. I was just actually reading through by accident some of my journal entries from those early days, just months after my son passed away. And our home was a very dark difficult place to be. It was a very quiet, we're not normally quiet, it was a very quiet place, very dark spiritually place. Um, there was tension between me and my wife. We weren't talking. I wasn't being the man that God, we were just knocked off our feet. And I was very concerned because I, I was reading up on, on couples that lost a child and the statistics didn't look very well at all. That most marriages don't survive something so drastic like the loss of a child. And and, and I wasn't handling it well at all. I was making a lot of mistakes, a lot of difficulties. I wasn't helping the situation at all. I mean, it could have been much worse, but it was bad nonetheless. And I learned this specifically with my wife on how I treated her. You know, the Bible says that a fool vents all his emotions, all his feelings. Did you know that? The Bible says that. Ed Taylor doesn't say that. The Bible says that. A fool vents all their emotions. In a society that values and elevates venting, I bet you some of you even this week said to someone, I'm just venting. Stop it, because then you're saying, I'm just being foolish. We don't vent. A fool vents all his emotions. And so when you're in a crisis and filled with emotions, I used to read this. Listen, this was for marriages, perhaps. I used to read that verse. A fool vents all his emotions except to his spouse. In my mind. Because I believe, like the Bible teaches, that in a marriage you're one with your spouse. And so there's a oneness. God puts you together. It's true. But the Bible says what it says. A fool vents all of his emotions. And so there were things that I should not have taken to Marie. There are things that I should not have expressed to Marie. There are things that I should not have said to Marie. And you go, well, wait a minute, Ed. If you can't tell your spouse, what are you supposed to do with it? Glad you asked. The Bible says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, 
with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. You see, in the issues of life and the burdens and cares that you have, they go to God first, then they come back into your home. And how do they come back into your home? Rest, peace, and the strength of God. When we follow God's way, God honors obedience. And God did a great work in my life and my heart on how to serve my wife, how to minister to her and how to care for her, how to lift out that darkness and that difficulty. And he can do the same for you, no matter what burden you carry, no matter what it is that you face. The Lord's burden is light. It's a joy. It's a blessing. It's so exciting to serve Jesus, so exciting to see God working. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to close a little differently today because I want to give you a chance to respond. You see, pleasing God and living to please God. And I'm just going to ask during this time, uh, don't take off. Because, you know, there's a predictable thing in the service where you think, okay, he's done now. Let's get out of here, honey. Go get the kids before it's crowded. And please stay because this might be for you. This might be the work that God wants to do in your life. You see, pleasing God and living to please God is the most exciting, glorious life in the world. You wait with anticipation for each day to find out what new thing God has in store for you. You can't do that carrying burdens. You, you can't do that just wondering when, the, when it's going to end and how hard it's going to be. And you definitely don't do that when you're taking your burdens and you're casting them and venting. And, and it's not from the Lord. You want that settled peace in the midst of a storm. Christianity is not burdensome. Following Jesus is not a burden. It's fun. You never know what's up ahead. I look back on my life and I see so many twists and turns. Some of them were very scary. Some of them were very painful. Some of them were very difficult. But they taught me. And I've learned from Jesus. And I want to learn more from him. God has promised to, that with him you'll find rest for your soul. He's promised to teach you. He doesn't want some religious activity just to go through the motions of life, but rather he wants you. It's his promised Christmas gift to take his yoke and his rest and his confidence. Now being sick this weekend, last night uh, I ended the service and... I said the pastors will be up here like I normally do and, and prayed and, and uh, I was going to let Pastor Ian in the service. And then I went to my pulpit like I normally do, kind of a habit, and I looked down here and my keys were missing. They're here now, but my keys were missing. So I look over to where my daughter was and I, I do this. I said, are my keys over there? And she says, no. She shakes her head no. And I'm like, oh no, I can't lose my keys. Uh, how am I going to get home? And if I lose my keys, it's going to be such a hassle. And because uh, this key actually literally opens every door in the whole building. So now we'll have to get it rekeyed. That's how my mind thinks. I just. So instead of going out the, the back, because I asked everyone to, if you just give me patience, I won't be able to be here because I'm going to save my voice. And instead of going out, I walked that way. I walked all the way around through the room back to where I retracing my steps. And my keys were right where, where I left them back when I was in the sound area. But what more significant is, is as I was walking, I sensed this tension in the room. 
I actually felt it in the room, like the Lord was speaking to me. You need to give them a chance to respond. You need to make it real for them. You need to finish the thing, Ed. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, but he's already singing. The song had already started and, and I got my keys and I put them in and I'm all peace now. I don't have to worry about, I just taught a message on peace and I was worried right when I said amen. Ridiculous. So as I'm walking back up, I'm walking up the stairs and I'm going to go back up and, and it was a split second decision on the stairs to come up and say, no, no, no. Um, I wanted to stop the room and give a chance to respond. And then I also asked Ian, he introduced a brand new song to us. Um, he shared it with me a long time ago, but he introduced it to our church on the anniversary service. And I asked him, you know, matter of fact, last minute, do you know that song by heart yet? And his face kind of said, maybe. And then he was going through and, and uh, maybe he's good enough for me. And uh, he, they all, the whole team was always surprised for all of them, which, you know, is so good that uh, they're flexible and they're open and, and uh, last minute stuff because you want to be open to the spirit. You want everything so programmed and it's all the way it is all the time. So, so we can't have what we had last night because it was just spontaneous from the spirit. But we can have what we had last night as God uses me to lead you to give you a specific opportunity to respond to the invitation of Jesus when he says to this room, come to me, come to me. So this stage area is gonna represent that to you so you can have something conscious in your mind as you end this year and this message that God just gave to me yesterday morning in his timeless truths of his word for our church, for you guys out on the radio and online that God would give you a chance to respond and so there's enough room up here for a couple hundred people and if it gets too full then you're just in the the aisles that's fine don't worry about decorum I mean be kind to one another but don't worry about how it's going to be and where I'm going to stand and what am I going to do and what people are going to think that that just wholly misses the point and you can come and kneel you could come with your hands raised but I want you to respond I'm not it's it's not an altar call in that sense like if you need to get saved, then come up. The pastors will be up here after the service. But come and worship God. And, and especially both these songs fit together very, very well, how God all put it together. And so I want you to let the song soak your heart. I, I want, especially the second one. The soak your heart and let the Holy Spirit. And so let's start by standing and they'll, they'll take the lights down for us. And we'll just start by standing. And, uh, you know, people will make room for you. So if you want to come and you just want to come and worship up here, uh, the songs are a little lower key. So um, come on, respond to what God is doing and let it be something memorable in your life. Be obedient. Remember, we're learning faith and obedience. And so let it be for you. It's for you and your family. Come to Jesus. Take his yoke. Receive his rest today. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.